Unlock the past and safeguard your memories with ScanMyPhotos.com. Here's our special promo code, GoDigital, to get a whopping up to 50% off your photo scanning order. Don't let your cherished moments fade away. Digitize them now with precision and care. Whether it's old slides, photos, or films, bring them into the digital age and relive those precious memories. This is an affiliate promotion, meaning we may earn a commission if you take advantage of this fantastic deal. Act fast, preserve your history, and save big with Go Digital at ScanMyPhotos.com. Hi, I'm Maureen Taylor, the photo detective. I really love family photographs, all of them. From the mystery images you find in shoeboxes and albums, to the pictures you snap with your digital devices. No mystery is too small. A simple question about an image can lead to new stories of your ancestors. This means you can count on me to help you identify the people in them, offer solutions for preserving and organizing them, and yes, even guide you in the various ways to gather and share picture stories with your relatives. My guest today is Leonard S. Marcus. He is the author of Mr. Lincoln Sits for His Portrait, the story of a photograph that became an American icon. Leonard, thank you so much for being on The Photo Detective. Well, it's it's a pleasure to be here and to meet a photo detective. <laughs> well, it's a perfect book for us to talk about, right? It's all about pictures and history. Why don't you tell us something about yourself? I know you've written several other books. Sure. I am a historian of children's books and their illustration. I've curated many exhibitions about children's books and children's book history. I've taught the subject at colleges, given lectures all around the world. And this book, the Lincoln book, is a little bit of a departure for me in that I have written a book for young readers as opposed to writing about the books for young readers. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So what would be the age group for this book? I mean, I liked it as an adult, but... Right. Well, my publisher calls it a middle grade nonfiction book, which generally means about nine to 12. But I mean, I I believe in crossover books. W.H. Auden said there is no good book, which is only for children. And so I've tried to write it in such a way that an adult would find it interesting, too. It was very interesting. It's very, very interesting. So why this book... What was your proposal for this book and how did that change as you started writing it? Well, I think there's more than one answer to that story. When I was in fifth grade, I wrote a long story about Abraham Lincoln. So I was really interested in him from, you know, almost the start of life and loved history in general as a child, read biographies all the time, majored in history in college. That photograph, which is on the cover, I have a postcard of it by my desk here, which I've had probably for 20 years. To me, it was fascinating because they combined my interest in American history, my interest in children's books, because Lincoln is reading to a child in this photo. And I always wondered what book he was reading, you know? So so it seemed to bring together two parts of my, of my you know, inner life, my, this, the focuses of my interest and curiosity. So, but also I was writing during the pandemic, a long essay about the author of Pat the Bunny, Dorothy Cunard. And 
oddly enough, interestingly enough, her father was a major collector of photographs of Abraham Lincoln and Lincoln's world. And most of the photos we know of Lincoln come from that collection, which he, he saved thousands of glass plate negatives from a warehouse in New Jersey, the Matthew Brady negatives. Um, and Dorothy grew up in that house, first acting as her father's assistant and later as the steward of the collection, which now is divided between the Beinecke Rare Book Library at Yale and the National Portrait Gallery. So, so Lincoln was kind of in the backdrop, background of my thinking as I was writing about Dorothy Cunard, because I knew of her deep association with Lincoln's legacy. And with time on my hands during the pandemic and always, you know, wanting to be busy as a writer, I turned from writing about her to writing about him. And I mean, the whole premise of the book, right? It's Mr. Lincoln sits for his portrait and the American icon that is the portrait on the cover depicts mm -hmm. Abraham Lincoln reading to his son, Tad. Yeah. Which is an absolutely famous photograph. I mean, it sums up Lincoln as a father perfectly, right? Right. And in this book, you mention that Lincoln posed for, was it six images on the same day? Yeah, well, yeah, we I mean, those are the ones that have survived, there could have been others. But this was in the February of 1864. The Civil War had been going on for about three years, and it seemed to be dragging on. And in the middle of all that, Lincoln welcomed a painter into the White House, someone who had told him he wanted to paint an epic representation of Lincoln and his cabinet discussing the Emancipation Proclamation. Painter was an abolitionist, thought this was one of the great turning points in world history, moral history. And Lincoln, thought, you know, who was very keenly aware of the power of images to shape public awareness and opinion, thought having a painting like that would be a good thing. So Lincoln was hanging out with this painting in the middle of the Civil War at the White House. And one day the painter had the thought that I could save Lincoln time by taking him to a photo studio, getting a lot of pictures taken so I won't have to be asking him to pose for me so much. And, and this photo was one of, one of the many that were taken that day. Um, the image we have on the $5 bill came from a photo taken at that same session. The image on the penny came from that same session. So it was kind of an amazing uh, couple of hours at Matthew Brady's Washington studio. And the one with Tad seems to have been the last one. And it may have been taken because Mary Lincoln, Lincoln's wife, showed up with Tad in, you know, formal dress, his best outfit, and, you know, said, you know, put your son into one of these pictures. And, and this is what resulted. Well, Lincoln did have a sense of the power of photography. Wasn't he the first presidential candidate to run and have an image of himself on a little, I forget what it's called, like a little oh, medallion. Medallions and also cards, the size of business cards or playing cards that Hard were very, very popular in those days. It was a new thing. They were highly collectible. And it was a great way to get your image out into the world. Lincoln's image was a very popular one. Yeah. So, you know, when he was a young politician in the 1840s, he had his very first picture taken. And he's he looks so awkward and his collar is the wrong size and he's squirming, you know, and you can tell he doesn't want to be there. But if you look at all the pictures of him in chronological order, you gradually see him settling into the role of being the subject of a portrait. And then we know that he realized at a certain point how valuable this was to his career. Mm. 
Yeah, there's several figures about that time in American history that suddenly realized that photography is the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, how do you reach out to people who are a thousand miles away? You know, and a strong image is is one of the best ways to do that. And the the day that was decisive in Lincoln's effort to become president was in 1860, also in February, when he came to New York for a day to give a speech at Cooper Union, which was a big meeting hall in Greenwich Village, where he spoke about the future of slavery. It was anti- it was anticipated that you know people were going to laugh at him for being this country bumpkin, but he got up at the podium. And he demolished the argument of the the opposite opposition party. They had said that that the founding fathers would have wanted slavery to be extended into the territories, or at least for the territories to decide for themselves. Lincoln went down the list one by one of the founding fathers and proved that that was absolutely not true. He completely demolished their argument, and he left everyone just gasping at his brilliance. Earlier that same day, he had visited Matthew Brady's studio in Manhattan, just a few blocks away, and had one of the really great portraits of probably any national leader taken. He's almost full length, uh, you know, head to toe, and he's looking right at the camera, and he's basically saying through the look on his face, I am ready to lead you. You know, and that image was turned into a wood engraving printed on the cover of Harper's Weekly Magazine shortly thereafter. And it it really changed between that and the speech, which was printed everywhere in the country. Those two things reshaped Americans' opinion of who this guy was. Hmm. And he also had a high-pitched voice, you know, almost a squeaky voice, which didn't seem to match his body type at all. So the first moment that something came out of his mouth, it, it only added to the impression that this was not somebody you might want to have in the White House. But shortly thereafter, the minute he started putting his ideas out, people were mesmerized. And he, of course, he was also a very good storyteller. Often he was self-deprecating and he called attention to his looks and then put people at their ease about that and show them, well, that's true, but I'm also this very funny guy and I'm, I'm also smart as a whip. So he he generally, he ended up making a very good impression, even though he didn't start off well with audiences very, very much of the time. I had never heard that about his voice. Yeah, yeah. Well, Daniel Day-Lewis g- gives a pretty good impression of it in that film that Steven Spielberg made a few years ago. Mm-hmm. That's the only time I think anyone has tried to recreate it for people to hear. Yeah. Do you have, so there's the collection at, would you say, the Beinecke? Yes. There's the collection at the National Portrait Gallery. There's also a collection at the Allen County Public Library. They have the Lincoln Collection. Mm-hmm. And there are many books published with images of Lincoln in them. Oh, yes. One of my favorites is the timeline of a lot of images of him, oh, yes. showing him from a young man to That's right. you know, older, which is great to watch somebody age like that. Do we have any sense of how many portraits he might have sat for? Oh, yes. And and by the way, the book that you just referred to was published by by Dorothy Cunard's family from their collection. Yeah, it's it, it's well over 100, somewhere apparently between 100 and 150, I think. And, you know, when you look at the dates, to the extent they're, that they're known, you see it becomes more and more frequent and more intense as he prepares to go to Washington and then becomes president. He must have had his picture taken a dozen times between the time he was elected in November of um, 1860 
and March of 1861, when he took the oath of office in Washington. And there's one great photo where you see him just with some chin whiskers, which was taken in Chicago, I think in November of 1860. So again, before he had gone to Washington. And I'm not 100% sure of this, but I think he was, he, he may have gone to Chicago um, kind of just to see what it looked like, to go to see a good photographer, have his picture taken and see how it came across. You know, maybe he had a scarf around his chin because he didn't want anybody to see before he was sure what he wanted. Yeah. And of all of these photographs, there are no known photographs of him and Mary Todd. Yeah, I've I've never seen one. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the very first one that was taken around the time that he was elected to Congress in 1846 or seven, Mary was photographed at the same session, but separately. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. I mean, as the photo detective, people come to me all the time with images that they think are Lincoln or want to be Lincoln, really? and they want them to be Lincoln and Mary Todd. Oh, sure. I, I don't have enough fingers to count them all. Uh, but often they don't really look like him or the timeline is off. Like you can't have Lincoln with the beard in an image in this year. You can't, right. have, you know, the timeline doesn't work for where that sure. image fits in his life. Plus the features are different, you know, if you really look at them. So he really captures our American imagination in that people are still looking for images of Lincoln that might be undiscovered. And with that many images taken of him, it is possible that there's another one out there somewhere. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And as I say, Frederick Meserve found a trove of glass plate negatives sometime early in the 20th century, maybe the 19-teens. And they would have probably just rotted away or been destroyed or discarded had he not found them. You know? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, they would have been destroyed yeah. without anyone really knowing what they were. In your book, you actually have an image that I've never seen before. And I've looked at a lot of pictures of Lincoln over the years. And that's the one of him standing in his office. Ah. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me something about that one? I've sure. never seen that one before. Yeah, it was taken a few weeks after, I think in April of 1864. So that would be just a few weeks after the one of Lincoln reading to his son. It's from the only session taken of him in the White House. And the photo was taken by this man named Anthony Berger, who worked for Matthew Brady in the Washington studio. And Berger was also the one who took the, the photo of Lincoln reading to Tad and the other famous ones from that day. So Lincoln and Berger must have had a kind of rapport because Lincoln wanted him and he, Lincoln could have had anyone. But Tad was at home that day and through a tantrum, which was sort of characteristic of him. And there was a closet that his assistants were using as a dark room. And Tad had the key to that door and he locked it because he thought the closet belonged to him, not to them. So he tried to make mischief for them. And Lincoln in that photograph is blurry, like his, his head is moving, which of course in those days was fatal if you're trying to make a photo because the exposure times were maybe 20 seconds. You had to hold still for at least that long. And it could be that Tad had just come into, burst into the room at that moment, or Lincoln had just decided to throw, you know, just became angry at what was happening. And it caused him to forget himself and and turn his head. To me, that's a likely scenario for why that photo is blurry. But it's sometimes referred to as sort of the ghost image of Lincoln, because the facial features are indistinct. And it's in the White House. And it wasn't that 
long afterward that he, Lincoln, of course, was assassinated. Well, I find it a fascinating image because he's standing in a room surrounded mm-hmm. by objects. So you right. really get a sense of perspective. How right. how tall was he com- compared to his desk? Was he did he have a clean desk? Did he have a messy desk? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. You get a lot of information about the man because you're seeing him in the context of someplace that he frequented. That's right. Yeah. And in those days, the president's office and the cabinet room were one and the same. So that's that's where you're seeing him. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's a wonderful image. And I just can't help but think that the photographer saw that this one didn't come out perfectly and said, let's sit for another. In some of the work that I've done working with images of people who were born before the revolution and lived into the age of photography. Some of these people were photographed four and five times on the same day to get the perfect shot. So mm-hmm. like there, there's several blurry ones and then there's the perfect one oh. and they were all kept. So it makes me wonder whether or not there aren't other images, clearer ones of that day in the office. Well, I know of one where Lincoln is seated from that same sitting or shoot, and there may well have been others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, with every book, you learn something. What did you go into this knowing? And when you finished, did you come out saying, oh, I there's something new that you didn't? Well, I mean, I knew Lincoln was an eloquent writer and speaker and that he was a good storyteller. I didn't know that he was fascinated by new technologies. I mean, even as a young man, he worked, he piloted a, a, a riverboat, a barge on the Mississippi River for a while, and he became caught up in the needs of people in, in, in kind of line of work. He invented a device for freeing barges from sandbars when they ran aground, and he got a patent for that. He's the only president who who's ever had a patent from the U.S. government. When photography came along, I think, you know, he was reluctant at first, but he th- then quickly realized that this was a really powerful tool for somebody in his position wanting to become known on the national scene. When he became president, he was running a war from the White House, and he realized that telegraphy was a way of communicating by remote control with his generals on the battlefield. He was the leader in the world to use the telegraph in that way. And, you know, he campaigned for the building construction of the Intercontinental Railroad during the Civil War, when a big construction project like that could not have been the top priority. But he was thinking ahead to how he was going to tie the country back together again. And the railroads was one of the keys to doing it. He knew that. He was very much attuned to the power as well as the wonderfulness of of the inventions of his age. Well, your book is wonderful. There are photographs. There's that whole backstory about the images. That's a new perspective. You do, of course, cover background on Lincoln and some background to the Civil War, which, of course, you you have to do that if you're going to talk about portraits of someone. So it's a very even-handed coverage of all of these things. And congratulations on the review in the New York Times. Oh, thank you. Thank you. What are you working on next? Well, I'm actually about to publish another book. It's an art book, and it's a history. It's a world history of the illustrated children's book, looking across 250 years and around the world at some of the most consequential 
children's books that have been published with pictures and giving the stories of the books and the artists who created them. And also giving a sense of how children's books have really played a key role in developing the middle class around the world and giving people a sense of the future as being a, a time of opportunity for children who become readers. Well, I will definitely look for that book and you are prolific because ah. that's a big book. Oh yeah. It took a long time. Yeah. And you wrote this during the pandemic, which yes. was 2020, 2021. Yeah. And yeah. now you have a whole nother book. So I, I congratulate yeah. you. That's huge. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah. Anyway, um, anything else you want to say about your book? If you have a moment for another story, sure. you know, I, I wanted to learn everything I could about that photograph and became curious about the objects which you can see within the image, including the chair that Lincoln is sitting on. And it turns out that that is a well-known chair. It's called the Lincoln Chair, and Lincoln gave it to Matthew Brady as a gift. And it had originally been created in the 1850s for the House of Representatives, along with a few hundred others. And Lincoln being the president, I guess, and a former member of the House, was able to get one of them for himself. And you know, he was a very big guy. And this chair must have been a comfortable chair. And he didn't want to have to make getting his photograph taken any more unpleasant than it was. And so made sure Brady had, had a chair that was well-suited to his dimensions. And I... I managed to track the chair down. <laughs> well, it belongs to a collector in Florida. It was put up for auction in the 1990s and sold for almost half a million dollars. So it's not any old chair. <laughs> and when you started this conversation with me today, we talked about how you were fascinated by this photograph because you wanted to know what the book was. Yes. Oh, yes. Do you know what book that was? I, I absolutely know. <laughs> and the interesting thing is, if you look on the Library of Congress website, they have various versions of that photo available for downloading. And the the entries say, Bible, Lincoln reading the Bible to his son. Well, that's what a lot of people thought. And it kind of looks like a Bible. You know, it's a big grand looking book. I wondered if it was a book of fairy tales or, you know, what what was it? And it turns out it was a Matthew Brady sales catalog. It was a sample <laughs> catalog. It was there to let you know what they could do for you if you decided to pay for their services. And they decided that it was a good prop to sort of tie the picture together. And it it's very effective. It's very effective. It's a big book. And have you actually seen the Matthew Brady sales catalog or it does it yeah. exist? Uh, that I don't know. Brady left for surprisingly few tracks. There are almost no letters from him in any library archive that I know about or that anybody seems to know about. And he's kind of a mystery man, as far as that goes. So who knows what happened? Because he, he went into bankruptcy late in his life. He sank too much money into his Civil War photographs, and he never recouped from from that loss, that period of loss. So he may have just had to sell things off to the highest bidder at, a, at an auction. Well, this is an example of, on the surface, it's a simple photograph. It's Abraham Lincoln and his son. Yeah. But when you dig into it, you find out the name of the book. You find out the history of the chair, the probably the glasses that Lincoln was wearing and yeah. the watches that they each had. And there you have it. There's a much more That's complex right. story. Yeah. And think about it. There was nothing to read in that book. So Lincoln put his reading glasses on because he was acting. He he was into the whole fantasy that this was the president reading to his son. And his son, who was just, I mean, he had learning disabilities. He couldn't stand still. 
he had attention issues. Lincoln may have handed him a coin to get him to calm down and to pretend that he was listening to Lincoln as, as Lincoln pretended to be reading. So it's a piece of theater. And in that way, very much in the spirit of, of the Lincoln that I came to know. That's wonderful. Thank you for writing this. Again, thank you so much for being on The Photo Detective. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media, leave me a rating and a review. And if you know of a friend or family member who's also interested in family photographs, share this episode with them too. See you next time. I'm thrilled to be offering something new. Photo Investigations. These collaborative one-on-one sessions look at your family photos. You and I meet to discuss your mystery images and find out how each clue and hint might contribute to your family history. And trust me, these images can reveal so much in your research. I have decades of experience in the photo, genealogy, and history industries. This is your chance to learn from me and discover the stories in your family images. You can find out more by going to MaureenTaylor.com and clicking on Family Photo Investigations.